You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Matthew 6, section of scripture beginning in verse 5. It says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And after this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In this section of scripture that we have read to you is something that is of importance to us and that is that Jesus is dealing in the realm of prayer and teaching us about praying. How many of you believe we ought to pray? Prayer is important. And uh, praying the right prayer at the right time for the right thing is important. There's all kinds of prayers, and they all have their own set of rules, and all kinds of praying is, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's designed, you know, for a specific thing, a specific area, and to be done a specific way. But just saying that we believe in prayer and that we should pray isn't saying a whole lot in one sense because every religion I know believes in prayer. Okay? Every religion believes in prayer. So just to say that we ought to pray isn't sufficient within itself. We must have certain things that uh, we must understand about our prayer life. And uh, knowing that we're to come to the presence of God is very valuable to us. Well, in this, Jesus was dealing with a thing that uh, an attitude that was involved in his day of people who, uh, you know, put on a show. And their prayer life was to impress everyone else. They did it publicly. They did it, you know, uh, in the synagogue. They did it standing on the street corners. Uh, They showed themselves. And really what it boils down to was a religious spirit. And God doesn't want us to have a religious spirit. He wants us to have a relationship and an experience with him. And that experience will show up. And he says, if you will go and have your prayer life and make it private and get in the closet by yourself with just you and God, then that which you have done secretly shall be made manifest or be rewarded openly. And so it's more than just the times that we come together and pray publicly even here that are valuable to us. And uh, we can get into that place of prayer and know that God's going to reward us because he said so even in that teaching right there in those verses that we read to you. But then he taught us how to pray. He gave the disciples a prayer there. Now, in one sense of the word, we do not use that particular prayer today in fullness uh, as New Testament believers. And the reason for it is that Jesus later taught us to pray in his name. And so this prayer is not to be utilized in the total sense that we're just always to be praying it. Yet, I was brought up in that vein, you know what I mean? We prayed it at all kinds of events. And so, if you're not careful, you can get that form and that ritual element about it by this prayer but there are some good things to be learned from this prayer it's valuable to us because he was teaching us two important things here one was relationship 
and I want to deal with that. I don't know what you want to call this. You can call this, you know, message the Lord's Prayer. You can call it, uh, you know, the four R's. Uh, you can call it relationship and recognition, you know. Uh, you know, just put pastor's talk number 39. I don't care what you put, okay? But still, this is the area that I feel that the Spirit of God wants us to deal with and examine very closely and get the truth that's there. He starts out in the prayer and telling us how to pray, and the first thing that he says is, Our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father. So immediately, the first thing that you begin to see in this prayer is relationship. Our Father. God is endeavoring to make us conscious and aware of a relationship that we have with him. Our Father. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel a whole lot more comfortable going asking my father for something than I do a total stranger. Are you following me? I have a whole lot more confidence that he's going to be interested in me and that I've got the potential of receiving from him because of our relationship, if nothing else. And the fact that we're born of the Spirit of God establishes our relationship. We are of his seed. We are heir of God. We are joint heir with Jesus. You know, uh, when I get to that part, then I begin to see an important thing that God is, was endeavoring to establish this in their minds at that time of the father-son relationship, which Israel didn't know. See, Israel had never had that concept of God. They had always seen him as a God way off in the heavens, sitting up there on the throne, that if anybody made the wrong move, that he was waiting, ready to squash them like you'd step on a bug. And uh, that's the concept that many people still have today, and particularly when it comes to prayer. We've put God off up in the heavens somewhere and made him out to be something that he isn't. What you've got to come back to in that is begin to recognize the relationship that you have with God. God is not some God in the distance. He is my Father. And if you want to bring it down to, uh, you know, a, a natural term that we would use today, my Daddy. Okay? And we don't mean that into to, you know, belittle him or bring him down to the wrong level, but just simply make you conscious and aware of the relationship that's there. And I think about uh, my father here. Well, there's some parallels between the relationship that I have with my father here and my relationship I have with my father there for me to learn and to understand. Relationship is based on one part of relationship is based upon, you know, the natural of birth by birth. I am who I am because of my birth. You know, it don't make any difference. I am Doyle Harrison's son. That is it. Just mark it down. I am his child. And when you look at us, you can't deny it. Okay? About the only difference between us is that he's dark-headed and I am light brown hair. Okay? And, uh, you know, where I've got a few speckles of gray, his is a lot more gray. And at one time, he had a natural gray streak that went through there. But when it comes to features and build, hey, you can spot it a mile off. I belong to him. And that's what we've got to have is develop and realize that by birth, we're going to take on the appearance of God. Are you still here? By our spiritual birth, we're going to look just like God. When people see us, they should see Jesus. They should see the reality of God in our lives so that we have the very appearance of it. Now, I'm not talking about that old religious look. You can look at some people. And there's been some people I've been able to walk up and say, mm-hmm, there's a Pentecostal preacher if I ever saw one. I could spot them by the way they looked. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sure you do. And the very appearance of them becomes that. But I think our very appearance should come to the place to where when they see us, they're looking at God and they're seeing the love of God. 
They're seeing all the attributes of God because we have a relationship that's been produced by our birth. Yet there is another part of relationship that is very important, and that part of relationship can only come through fellowship. Are you with me? It can only come through fellowship. Now, there are certain things that are there simply because of the seed of whose I am, okay? Because I'm born of his seed, there are some things that are just automatically set, and that's it. Then there's other things that are established by relationship through fellowship. And I begin to think back to my own, my own natural father here on the earth. Him being a professional gambler, you know, that put some odds and some differences between us to where for a number of years we had great difficulty having fellowship. So we had a most awkward and, you know, clumsy relationship because here he is, he's gambling, and I'm in the ministry. And, you know, after a period of time, it don't leave you a whole lot to talk about. You know, you talk about the kids, and that don't really last a long time because he's going to tell you how to raise them, you know. <laughs> And then, you know what I mean, you talk about the weather, but after you talk for five minutes, you pretty well discuss what's going on with the weather. Well, you don't talk about politics too long because usually we're going to be opposed. He's going to vote for someone who's going to put something else in, and I'm going to vote for someone who's putting something else in. I'm not making sense. Mm -hmm. So conversations get limited real quick, like, because of our differences, you know what I mean, of, of the background, of the nature and all. Now, that made it hard for us to have much fellowship. Now, you know what fellowship is. That's two fellows in the same ship. And you can't have much fellowship till you get on board with some people. And I found very few things that we could get on board together with. So, therefore, it was clumsy to talk. It, we, we, were, we were at opposites so much of the time. And it just made it difficult for us to have, even though he was my father by birth, it made it very difficult for us to have a good relationship because of fellowship. There was a barrier. Most of the time, when we got together, you and me would be fussing, would be arguing, we'd be different with one another. Well, that made it hard on my mother's relationship. Here she is. She's trying to maintain a relationship between us. She's, you know, uh, his wife and my mother, and she's trying to establish and help that relationship. And even though I have it by birth, yet there is no relationship when it comes to fellowship or communication. And there is where many people have difficulties with God. See, you've got a relationship by birth because you're born again. But if you don't fellowship, it's going to affect your relationship. Are you still here? Amen. We're talking about the relationship that comes through fellowship. Now, the fellowship of my father and I has increased. It has increased. God has been working in his life. There are changes that are coming about. He's been born again. He's given up certain things. And always before, you know, we couldn't talk about too much. Now we can talk about a lot of things. You know, the, the conversation's increasing all the time. And, you know, at one time there, he come to see me. He only come to visit me one time in eight years. Okay? Because what was the point of coming? You know, you didn't have anything to talk about. So, you know, it made it difficult. Now he not only comes on a regular basis, he's calling me at times, won't know when I'm going to be here so he can come. Not only that, he's even talking to the point now that he might even think about moving here at some point in time. Now, I've got a relationship by birth, but we're establishing a better relationship by fellowship. Okay? By fellowship. Now, you know as well as I do that relationships get strengthened and established through fellowship. There's something about when you sit down and put your feet under the same table with someone and talk that a relationship gets built. It gets established. 
Well, that was why that we had the meeting last week with all four worship halls. There's some of you, you know what I mean? Hey, we are, here we are in the same fellowship. We got one church with four worship halls, and some of you have never seen the others, don't know the others, don't have any communication with them. You still here? Amen. And you wonder why that we have an occasion like that. That's why. To establish that fellowship so that we can build a stronger relationship. Well, the same thing's true when it comes to the other believers in the other churches. We've got to have times when we come together so that we can establish a stronger relationship. We have a relationship. They're brothers in the Lord by birth because they're in the kingdom of God. But if we don't ever fellowship, then we don't build that relationship to that level and that degree that it needs to be. So we get separated, and then it becomes hard to talk. You don't even, you know what I mean? You can't think of anything to say. And if you're not careful, you become opposed to one another. And you've got a rift going on. Well, you get to looking at this and begin to examine it closely. You see that what God was endeavoring to do, what Jesus himself was trying to say to us at that time, with this prayer, you become conscious of the relationship. Our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father. Not our God. Okay? Our Father. He's making you aware of that relationship. He's putting you in a place to where you can recognize it and have communion with God. God's not off somewhere else. Bless God, he's living in us. Jesus said when he came into our heart, he said, I'm going to invite the Father that he comes in. Then it's no more praying off to a God somewhere. It's our Father who lives in our heart. Then the whole perspective of prayer then becomes different. And you get a different attitude right then with recognizing him as Father. Well, he says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, when he began to praise God, this here produces something. In other words, worship brings you to a place where your mind enters in and worships God also. Worship we should keep our mind in control. In other words, I've watched a lot of people in services and them not get a whole lot out of services because they're going through the motions, they're going through the ritual. It's becoming a tradition. Are you listening? See, it's becoming a tradition. Whether you realize it or not, you're slipping over into a traditional realm. Oh, yes, glory to God, hallelujah. And they're all thinking about hamburgers after a while. You still here? Are you thinking about what you just got through arguing about on the way to church? And you're not recognizing and establishing that relationship between us and God, our Father, which art in heaven. We're becoming heaven conscious. We're becoming God conscious, aware of him, and then not keeping us out of that realm of tradition. See, if we're not careful, I don't care what we do. We can call ourselves charismatic, charismatics, and what have you. It don't make any difference. We can establish tradition that stinks in the nostrils of God just as much as anybody else. You can gripe about the Catholics, the Baptists, and everybody else you want to gripe about, but tradition stinks. It don't matter where it is. Okay? It don't work. It's no good. And we've got to be careful. We've got to go back to the basics. And prayer is a very basic element that we have to have, a relationship with God, establishing, refreshing, keeping, maintaining, a conscious aware of God as Father. Now, one of the things that that does, when you talk to your father real well, you get to know him, okay? 
There becomes a surety. There becomes a certainty of it. I know one of the things about my own father that became so important to me was when I, was, when I lived with him, when I stayed with him, when I talked to him regular, one of the things I learned was I could count on his word. I could count on it. And there was times I didn't want him to keep his word. Because when Daddy said, when we get home, I'm whipping your hunt in, boy. I wished right then, oh, God, don't let him keep his word. I, did, I wanted him to forget that. But the problem was my daddy was a man of his word. See, being a professional gambler, he had to keep his word. Because as a gambler, if he didn't keep his word, it could mean his life. It could cost him his life. His word was his bond. And when he took bet, when he took book on anything, that was it. And he had to pay off. And he had to remember it. He had to keep it. He had to watch over his word to perform it. And it became such a habit with him that he did it in everything that he operated in. It didn't matter what. My daddy was a man of his word. When he said, I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time, you could count on it. Well, if my daddy, being a man, can keep his word, how much more is our heavenly father going to keep his word? Jeremiah 1.12 says he hastens his word to perform it. That means he's watching over it to make it good. He's going to see that it come to pass. Surely God Almighty is going to keep his word more than even what a man will. And the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. Remember what Brother Johnson said about that? Hey, that's one thing that some of you got to realize. God's not a man. You've got to get your thinking on that. God is not a man. He is not a man. Man will fail you. But God's not a man. So therefore, he can't fail you. He won't fail you. Now, establishing that in prayer, God our Father, which art in heaven, by worshiping him, I've got to bring my mind in with me also. You can't sit here and go through the motions. You can't be, let it become traditional in you. And that's what we have a lot of times. We'll throw up our hands, we'll sing, we'll praise God, and our mind's out somewhere else. God's wanting us to worship him, spirit, soul, body. And sometimes we'll have our spirit and our body involved, but our mind's out in la-la land. It's off somewhere else. When you get that established, the relationship, that God is your Father and you're speaking to Him, you're praying to Him, you're involved with Him as an individual, then you'll get your mind brought in with it. All right, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The second relationship that's involved is others. Because he says, as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. First, this prayer is to teach us relationship to God. But second, we've got to get out of it. There's a relationship to others. Relationship to others. If you don't keep that right then you can't keep your own things right. One Bible teacher put it this way. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Jesus, others, yourself. J-O-Y. Are you following that? You get order in like that in your life. Then everything else lines up. But if we don't put Jesus first, others second, Ourself last. So what's he doing in this prayer? He's making us conscious of God. 
God our Father. Then he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He's making us conscious of other people. He's making us aware and recognizing that other people are involved in our life. So we have a relationship to them. If we don't keep our relationship right with other people, then it affects us. If we don't keep our relationship right with others, then it affects us. Now, I've faced difficulties. You know, I've gotten mad at other people. I've gotten upset with other people and what they're doing. And at times, when I would allow that to go on, then it began to affect me. It affected my health. It affected my finances. All of the other got affected because I didn't keep my relationship right with other people. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. You don't pass wrong judgment on someone else, but you get things right. You keep everything orderly in your life. You forgive others when they've done something to you. For me, I had to do it this past week. You want to know why I'm preaching this message? I'll tell you why. I had to get God conscious again. Okay? Then I had to get my attitude right towards some people. Don't look at me like that. You've been the same way. You can just cut out that holier-than-thou stuff right now. Hey, we ain't living by two sets of rules. Yeah, but you're the pastor. Hey, that Bible's to both of us. You quit trying to make it to me and forgetting you. It fits both of us. It's written to believers, all right? Now, all those epistles are directed to us. I had to deal with myself. I had to get my attitude right toward God. I had to get my attitude right toward others. See, last week we got everybody together. Brother Earl Johnson presented something. Here I was, faith on the line, believe in God. You know, in one sense, in a desperate state. Needed so much cash last Sunday. Needing to believe God for the money to come on in so we can get on with the program, get some things done. Here I am believing God for a minimum of $30,000. You know what comes in? 4600 You know? And all of a sudden, I had an attitude problem. Faith Presbyterian Fellowship. Hmm. You ever ask that question? Why me, Lord? Hmm? Then if you're not careful, if you don't get your attitude right toward others, then it starts to affect you. Okay? Then you start having problems with your body. You start having problems with your finances. All because you got all bent out of shape with someone else. Go away. We've got relationships involved. First, it's with God and being conscious of Him. God is my source. I had to go back and remind myself that God was my source and not man. Okay? I had to go back to God, my Father. He's going to supply my need. He's my source. He's my avenue. Things are going to come about. It's God. 
But then I had to turn around and correct the other in my attitude toward others. Forgive others. How many of you know your faith won't work when there's unforgiveness in your heart? So we can talk about faith all we want to. You know, we can confess till we're blue in the face. You know, bless God, I'm confessing my ever needs met, my ever needs met, my ever needs met. Sorry, outfits, they didn't do what this for too. My ever needs met, my ever needs met. You know, man, just getting with confession, you know, confessing the word. Glory to God, got that unforgiveness in my heart. Then I want to say, them's your children, God. When are you going to do something with them? He said, I am. You start dealing, you got to go back. What's God trying to teach us? That he's our father. We recognize him. We've got to recognize others and where they're at. We've got to establish our relationship. My relationship with him as my source, my supply, my satisfier, my all-sufficiency. He's El Shaddai. That means many-breasted one. That's what El Shaddai means, many-breasted one. Let's put it real to a point where it almost sounds carnal to some of your ears. He's got a mil enough milk for every baby. Okay? Now I realize that, you know, that, that may sound carnal to some ears, but that's a fact, okay? El Shaddai means many-breasted one. He's got enough milk for every baby. For everyone, whatever your need is. The Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word. He's got enough word for you to establish you and stabilize you if you'll go to your father. Now see, if you don't understand the relationship, then you shut, cut short. Well, he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That means he'll forgive my, forget my debts if I forgive my debtors. Those who I feel like hadn't done me right. Those who hadn't been fair to me. Those who've affected me. Those who've cut me short in my mind. See? Whether they have or not, it don't make any difference. It's that way in your mind. You still with me? And you've got to establish and get back that relationship so that your relationship is not affected. Your relationship. So I went through all kinds of mental gymnastics. You know? Thought, okay, bless God. Tell you what I'll do. I'll fix your little red wagon. I just won't show up anymore. Hello. See? Now I thought, only wagon that's going to fix my own. And I ain't going to like the way it gets fixed. Huh? Then I decided I'd go the other extreme. Okay, bless God. I just won't ever take another offering again. Cut you off from the blessings of God. You know? We'll never pass another bucket. You want to give something, you'll have to beat the door down in there to get in. You know? Then God said, then you become a robber. You still here. Okay? And here I am trying to, you know, get this thing settled in my heart and my thinking, get my relationship right. You know? What is my relationship? Where does it fit? How's it going to operate? It's going to operate through fellowship. Hey, we're already set in the spirit realm. Whether we like it or not, I'm pastor. See, it don't matter whether you like it or it don't matter whether I like it. 
Likes don't have anything to do with it. You are what you are. Period. See, Jesus is still the head of the church. He's still the one that makes the decision. He's the one who decides. See? Somebody say amen. Groan or do something. You know? God don't just sit there. Okay? That prayer teaches relationship. Relationship first with God, then second, relationship to others. Because it's going to affect your relationship. You know what happens all the time? Is we become reactors in life. We react to situations, circumstances, situations constantly. What happens is somebody out here does something to us. And because we don't react right, we take it out on God. And it affects us that way. When really what God wants is us to have a relationship with him that affects others. Are you following me? In other words, I've got such an intimate relationship with my father and such fellowship with him that it affects me in my heart so that naturally it affects others on how they react out here. Rather than what they're doing affecting me and causing a reaction with God. Because if I don't handle it right, then that's what takes place. When I get mad at God's children, see, then I want to lay the blame off somewhere else. If I'm not careful, I'll dump it somewhere else. And see, that's, a, that's an age-old tradition that started back in the Garden of Eden. Blame somebody else. You know? Adam blew it. God comes to him. Adam says, there's that woman you gave me. She's the one. Then God goes to Eve, says, Eve, what about this? She says, it was the devil. I mean, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. See, and if we're not careful, that's what begins to happen. If we don't establish our relationship with God and keep it right, and then go and keep our relationship right with other people, then we can't keep things right in our own life. Our own home, our own finances, our own situation. What's God after? An intimate relationship between you and and him that affects the rest of the world. That's really what he's after. An intimate relationship between you and God that affects everybody else. That they can tell when you've been with Jesus. That they're conscious and aware that you've been in the presence of the Most High God, and that's what they see. And they see that love pouring forth out of you. They see that kindness and all the other attributes of God ushering forth out of your life. The fruit of the Spirit, if you please. Or the power of God and manifestation of the people. You can tell when somebody's pregnant with the Word. You can tell when they've got the presence of the Lord upon their life. You can tell when they don't. But it's established on relationship. Relationship first to God, then relationship to others. Then the third thing, after he says, as we forgive our debtors, he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, we've got a relationship with God, and we've got to recognize Him. We've got a relationship with others, and we need to recognize what that is. But third, we need to recognize the power of evil and realize there's a relationship that we need to have in relationship to evil. The Bible says resist the devil, doesn't it? It says neither give place to the devil... 
And yet we still haven't understood our relationship to the devil in many instances. We've gotten whipped. We've deceived ourselves. We've had things happen in our life because we never reckoned with this part. I'm going to use a word. You may not like it when you first hear it, but if you'll think about it a moment, it'll register on you. And it's respect. Some of you need a respect for the devil. Now, let me qualify it, okay? When I say respect, I'm not talking about all of worship respect, okay? I'm not even talking about fear in the sense of being afraid. I don't mean that either. But in between there, there is a meaning of the word respect that we've messed up. See, actually what happens a lot of times, we have today error by overemphasis. Okay? We have error by overemphasis. And sometimes in emphasizing certain points, we push some things over into a realm to where we create error. Now, one of the things that we've done, and that is, was to proclaim our victory through Jesus. How many of you know Jesus with the devil? Okay? So the victory's won. All right? But there is an element here that you've got to understand where we were coming along and rejoicing in the victory, and he made an open show of him, so therefore we're to do the same thing through our actions. But a lot of times we've come along and flaunted some things in such a fashion that we lost sight of really who we're opposed against. How many of you know he's our opponent? Our adversary, the devil. We're to fight the good fight of faith, but then you stop and think about a boxer. I don't know how many of you are conscious of it or not, but every now and then, you know, James Quintillis comes and worships here some. Okay? Now, when you stop and think about a boxer, I'll guarantee you, James would tell you, that when he goes to fight a fight, he learns something about his opponent. Are you following me? He learns about him, and when he goes in the ring, he positions himself, gets himself ready, so he don't get knocked on his backside. How many of you know we're seated with Christ in heavenly places? Okay, we're positioned with Christ. We've got to understand our position. But let's not be fools and go in as though we are one who's boxing the air. And there's a lot of people walk in making confessions and there's nothing more than hot air. Just hot air. Why? Because they're confessing words and not the word. And as a result... They come along making all these confessions, and they're just like a boxer who's out there just swinging away. All he's doing is wearing himself out, and ain't ever going to hit nothing. And then he says, deliver me from evil. That means I've got to recognize about evil. I've got to know my opponent. I've got to be ready. Some of you hadn't even realized who the opponent is. See, the church world in the whole out there particularly in the denominational realm, they think God's the enemy. 
that was one of the reasons for recognizing God as Father. Okay? Recognizing He's not your enemy, that He's your source of supply. He's your friend. He's all that you have need of. Are you following me? Now, with that thought in mind, I have an adversary, I have an opponent, I'm in a fight. I'm to fight the good fight of faith. But I'm not to play the part of the fool. I'm not to deceive myself. Some of you hadn't realized that sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Because you won't bother to establish that relationship and spend time with God in prayer and let him speak to you so light can shine. You know, see, by, by overemphasizing, we try to become conscious or aware of the power of God and the goodness of God and that we are delivered. But by the same token, sometimes we come along and overemphasize it to the point that we've lost our respect for what the devil can do. How many of you know through deception he can tear you up? Through lies he can tear you up. Am I making sense to you at all? See, he's trying to teach us that we've got to recognize the enemy. Recognize him. Don't play the fool's part. Don't get in there and let him tag you up. Position yourself in God. You're positioned. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Get out of your position. You know you get hurt. You catch a boxer in the wrong position. He's wide open for the devil to let him out. So if you don't forgive others, are you still here? See, it ties together. If you don't forgive others, then all of a sudden you're in the wrong position and you're ready to be killed. You've taken yourself out of position with God. He's going to lay you low. And you're going to be standing around wondering, well, what happened? Well, it's because you didn't forgive. Because when you forgive, you stay in position. You're recognizing the enemy. See? You're staying in a position where you can keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Recognize and establish your relationship. So you mean I got a relationship with the devil? Yeah. And that is keep your distance. Until he gets in your way, then blow him out. Are you following me? See, don't play games with the devil. Don't skirt around the edge. The Bible says, shun the very appearance of evil. Shun means to stay away from. And some of you flirting around in some areas. And you wonder why your finances aren't right? I'll tell you what. Messing around. You're playing games on the devil's territory and he's going to tear you up again and again and again. And you can stand there and say, but I've tithed. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad you came today? Yeah. Relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship with others. Even to the point of knowing your proper relationship to the enemy. Okay? Recognizing God as our source, our friend, our all-sufficiency. Recognizing others. Recognizing... Have you ever stopped to think why we take communion? One of the reasons is so that we can recognize where we're wrong in things. Judge ourselves so that we don't have to be judged. Keeping our relationship right with other people 
is of utmost importance. See, the Bible tells us very clearly why people are sick and die prematurely is because they don't recognize the rest of the body of Christ. That's exactly why they're sick. Come along and say, well, those folks, they don't know God. Hey, be careful. As they confess Jesus as Lord. See? Then you make a judgment. You wind up bringing judgment on yourself. The devil KOs you and your finances and your health and everything else. And all because you didn't recognize. Well, what do you say? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What's the fourth thing we recognize? First, we recognize our relationship with God as Father. Recognize our relationship with others. Keep it through forgiveness. Recognize the power of the devil and evil. Keep our relationship at a distance. Turn over to Jude just for a moment, and then we'll turn back. But I want to point something out to you. Jude's that little book, one chapter long, right before Revelation. Verse 8 says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke thee. The word rebuke there means respect. means respect. We've got to have a respect. Now, how can I keep my perspective right? First, I've got to recognize God. I've got to recognize others. I've got to recognize the enemy. But that 13th verse says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. See, that helps us recognize God as creator and being all-powerful, not just as father, but as our deliverer. Let me put it another way. The fight is fixed. What you've got to do is keep answering the bell. How many of you know when you read the back of the book, you find out we win? So what have we got? we got a fixed fight which says, all i got to do is keep answering the bell. See, that's the only time that you get whipped is when you don't come out swinging. That's when you get whipped. That's when you're defeated. I don't care how many times you've been knocked down. I don't care how battered and bruised you may feel, and it may seem. And some of you feel like that you've been on the treadmill, that somebody's been beating on you, been hammering away at you and you want to quit, you'd like to forget about it, you'd like to toss the towel in, what's the point? I don't see any point. Hey, it's fixed. The fight's fixed. Now just keep answering the bell. Come on out. So you mean i got to get up one more time? Yeah. 
sure do. Come again. But I'm tired. No matter. Get up. Okay, how tired you are. Welcome to the club. I mean, if it'll make you feel better, we'll form a tired club together. But it ain't going to help nothing. See? Now, what's going to affect that? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving will help that. Because when you start to give thanks to God, you'll start to refresh yourself. You'll start to get your strength back. You start thanking God, the joy of the Lord will return to you. And the joy of the Lord is our what? That's simple. You start giving thanks. You start rejoicing. It's going to affect you. Now, let me give you four important ways to keep your spirit in right relationship. This will help you in relationship to God, relationship to others, relationship to the devil, in all of it. Number one is by speaking the word. John 6, 63 says, Thy word is true. It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh propped of nothing, but the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are what? You ever felt like the life was just gone out of it? Felt like you didn't have any more spirit to get up and fight again? Spirit. God's words are spirit, and they are life. So what do I do? I speak to my spirit, I speak life when I speak God's Word. Not just words, God's Word. Now see, define that because there's a lot of people going around just making confessions and not speaking the Word. Without speaking the Word, then they may not be spirit, it may not be life. It may be the wrong spirit. See, it could be a selfish spirit. Are you following me? So that's why you speak the Word of God. Not just words, but the Word of God. Now, when I say the Word of God, I'm not, I'm not just saying that you have to, every confession you make has to be in direct quotation of a scripture. I'm talking about words in line with the Word of God. Okay? Not just words about something else. Well, I'll give you an illustration. Sometimes people come along and they're believing God for things. And they'll get to confessing. I got a new car, got a new watch, got a new car, got a new watch. They're confessing words. Are you listening? See, they're confessing words. They're not confessing the word. When you confess the word, then you come along and you say, My God shall supply my every need. My God satisfies the desires of my heart. He'll give me the desires of my heart. Are you following me? Then you put it on a solid base and not just be confessing words. But sometimes we come along and try to shorten things up. You know, we're going to help God out. We help ourselves right out of the whole picture. The words. That's how you maintain a right relationship with God. If you, will, if you will speak God's word, it will maintain a relationship with Him and it will help to maintain a relationship with others because then your words will minister grace. 
unto the believer and even unto the sinner. It'll cause you to have the right relationship with people when you're speaking the Word of God. It'll also establish your relationship to the devil. What is that? You're defeated. Jesus whipped you. He made an open show of you. I've got power over you. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? It establishes and it keeps and maintains that relationship with God, with others, with the devil. And it'll help you even with yourself. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He always causes me to triumph through Christ Jesus. See, the confessing of the word of God maintains. It helps you maintain a right relationship. A right relationship to everything. Everything and everyone. It'll help you maintain a relationship to money. See, some of them, some people have established a wrong, wrong relationship with money. Some people are mad about money. Some people are just thoroughly in love with it. Am I making sense? And when you get to confessing the Word of God, hey, money's not a problem. You got the right relationship with it. It ain't nothing but a tool. And the Word of God will help you see that. It won't be something you're consumed with that you're lusting after. It won't be something that you're mad at because you don't have it. By speaking the word, you'll keep your spirit in right relationship. The second thing that you can do to keep your spirit in right relationship is by speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, He that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Again, it brings you back to that order that you're seeking God first. You also will make intercession for others. Well, That'll keep your relationship right for others. Speaking in tongues, you give thanks well. So there's your thanksgiving. Are you following what I'm saying? See, there are certain things that you can do to keep your relationship right with everyone, with God, with people, with the enemy, and with yourself. The third thing that you can do to keep your spirit in right relationship is worship. What will happen then? Well, it's very simple. When you worship God, it causes everything to get decent and in order. Because then you'll put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. See, to keep it in this right relationship. Worship will keep things in the right relationship. If you worship God, it'll keep you from worshiping people. See, worshiping God keeps the right relationship with everything else. If you worship God, it'll keep you from worshiping the devil. I'm talking about things that will keep your spirit in right relationship to God. 
speaking the word, praying in tongues, and worship. All those things will keep your spirit in a proper, right relationship with God. The fourth is by keeping a constant spirit of thankfulness. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. That'll keep the, that'll keep the relationships right. Doesn't matter what's going on, start thanking God. Say, so you mean thank God for the problem? No, thank God in it. Philippians told us, Paul said, be content in whatever state you're in. Hey, that don't mean Oklahoma or Minnesota. where you are in your circumstances. Huh? Be content. Whatsoever state you're in. Now, see, with that spirit of thankfulness, you can overcome. You keep a right relationship with God. If you'll be thankful, then you won't be mad at God because of what you're in. I had to remind myself this week. Thank God I'm a pastor. Thank God I've got a congregation. Well, wouldn't it be something to be a pastor and not have a congregation? Huh? That'll help your perspective, won't it? You can be all kinds of things, but if you're not thankful... Being thankful. I don't know if you realize this. Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi, he was in the Mamertine prison. And that was Nero's prison. You remember who Nero was? What he did to believers? Here's Paul in jail. Tradition records it and says that no doubt Paul was beaten. His back was bleeding. His feet were in stocks. He was sitting in his own waist. There was roaches and rats running all around him. And he has the audacity to write to the church and say, Rejoice in the Lord! And again I say rejoice! Amen. Somebody said, That's crazy! <laughs> no, that'll keep your relationship right. Because if you're not careful... You know, most believers today, why me, Lord? I've been serving you. I've been preaching the gospel. Why am I in jail? <laughs> okay. They ain't going to get delivered. And it means, with that thankfulness, it doesn't mean some little quiet, sweet, demure type attitude. When Paul and Silas were in jail, Huh? It, no way, honey, was it, thank you, Jesus, you're here with us. We praise you for it, Lord. <laughs> hey, the Bible says the prisoners heard them. They meant all the way up and down the hall. They could hear them singing and praising God. And what happened? The whole place was shaken. And them gates opened up. Hey, when you know 
you have a relationship with God, He's your deliverer, He's your source, He is your mighty one, and you stand around giving thanks unto God in all things, that no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. It doesn't matter what you've gone through and what seems like it has been, that the Spirit of the living God's going to rise up and deliver you out of every circumstance, because He always causes you to triumph, not every now and then, every time. said, yeah, but three years ago I was having trouble paying the bill. Two years ago I was. A year ago. Right now I'm having trouble paying the bill. Honey, don't worry about it. If it's next year and the year after that, it don't make any difference. Just keep on shouting. But that don't seem like too much hope, Pastor. You start practicing this in its fullness. You get this established inside you. Hey, deliverance has to come. Because he said, deliver me from evil. Amen. Deliver me from it. Yes. You get tired of all the petty stuff. You get tired of all the bickering. You get tired of all the griping, the complaining. You know? There's been a few times when my kids would get to griping over what I'd provided for them. I don't mind telling you I got ticked. Huh? Hey, you don't have to work. Yeah. Huh? And I notice every time your elbow bends, your mouth flies open. <laughs> huh? There's always food to put there. I could identify with God real quick. You know, with all the griping, complaining, rather than giving thanks for what he has done. Amen. See, what happens a lot of times is we spend so much time griping, complaining, and praying the problem rather than the answer. Then what transpires is we're not thankful for what we've done. God, we cut ourselves off from what he could do. Amen. Now remember, relationship is one by birth, second by fellowship. Now, if the fellowship you got with God, that every time you go to prayer, is why don't I have this and why don't I have that? Are you still here? I'm just the thing. You know, Hoagie Carmichael wrote a song one time. He says, accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. The church has got to start doing that. We as individuals have got to get alert to that. Start rejoicing in what we do have. I was well, Pastor, this place could be full. I know, but I'm just thankful for who's here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm thankful it'll be full someday. But I'm thankful for who's here. Say, so, yeah, but we've had people go leave here and go to other churches. Well, thank God they went to church. <laughs> huh? I got to grappling one time. You know, I, this week I went around to three different FCS throughout the nation. Went to the one in Ames, Iowa, in Shenandoah, Iowa, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And I thought, you know, when I got there, here's people who's been in our church who sat here, you know, and fed on the Word of God. God got a hold of them. They've gone out and started work. You know, turned on to the Spirit of God. 
And I thought, we've got a thousand ministers that are ordained out of this fellowship. And you come along and take their mates and their children. Well, dear Lord, I mean, you know, most of them got multiple children, you know, but even if we just said they had one. There's 3,000 people that could be sitting here right now. You know, if I thought about it, I thought, well, glory to God. I'd have this place packed out, jammed, running over. But then again, I wouldn't be affecting all those hundreds of people and thousands of people out there. Okay, what are you thankful for? See? So I'm going to be thankful that they went out and preached the gospel. You know, we figured it up here a while back. And when you count the churches and the Bible schools and the different classes that we have through outreach, that every week, 50,000 people are affected through SBA. Every week, 50,000 people are affected. And then someone wants to get a bit out of shape because, well, I don't, we probably only got a thousand people here, Pastor. Dear God. I'm thankful for the 50,000. Okay, so there's only a thousand here. Big deal. I'm thankful for the thousands here. Or would it be something if everybody went out and all I was was me here? Dear God. I preached to Mama. Let God get her saved. Oh, she's, don't get excited. She's saved. She's in the process of saving me. Don't y'all pay attention to her. Being thankful, rejoicing, will help maintain in your spirit a right relationship. A relationship to the people that are around you. See, if you'll be thankful for the mates you've got, it'll affect the relationship. If you'll be thankful for your children, if you'll be thankful for the people that you work with, See, a lot of times you think about somebody that you're having to work with is so difficult and so hard. And what? Well, hey, they could be even bigger fathead than that put there. <laughs> Just be thankful they're not worse than what they are. Am I making sense to you? Turn around and start getting thankful for what's there. We've operated with that attitude so long, you know. Cheer up, things could be worse. You know, I cheered up, but sure enough, things got worse. <laughs> no, cheer up, things going to get better. Yeah. As long as you keep expecting the worst, it'll show up. You better start being thankful for what you've got, where you're at. Huh? People standing around griping, well, I don't have nice clothes. Hey, be thankful you got clothes. They'll throw you in jail for running around naked. Say, <laughs> huh? so, now, Pastor, you're being ridiculous. I'm trying to wake some of you up to that one basic element of what's affecting your relationship with everyone else around you. Because you're not thankful, that affects your relationship. You're immediately resentful, disliking, unhappy. 
because you won't take time to be thankful for what is real and good. Trying to get that so established in your thinking, God help you. Let your eyes be opened. Because all you're looking at is the faults, the shortcomings. God help us to see. Start being thankful for where you've got, where you're at, what you're doing. Start rejoicing in it. Then it can get better. But as long as you're unhappy with it, disgruntled, griping, complaining, I'm going to tell you it's going to get worse. You're bringing it about. You're affecting the relationship. The relationship that you have with everything is dependent upon you. Upon you. No one else. You. So that's what people don't like about the faith message. Because it puts a responsibility at your doorstep. They always want to put it somewhere else. And it belongs right here. I can look back. You see, I can analyze. I can determine. I've messed up here, 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 here. Oh, I blew it there. Well, that whole thing was a disaster. Huh? And I can start, you know, looking at it in that light and thinking about it from that standpoint. And the first thing you know, I just didn't quit. Let's call this whole thing though. You ever want to play King's X? King's X. You can't get me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing right now. Hmm? And that's how a lot of people want to do with the game of life, you know? Just hold it. Hmm? How many of you know life still goes on? And you can't call King's X. Still going to get you. Still going to get nailed. So you better get ready. Make up your mind. Answer the bell again. Go at it one more time. Be determined. To put it in the vernacular, suck up your gut. You know? Boy, when I played football, the coach used to run me and run me and run me and run me. I got so mad at a coach one year. At the end, it was playing basketball. And at the end of each practice, we had to run sprints. And whoever won in the sprint got to quit the sprints and go in and take the shower. Man, you talking about getting ready? I took off, and I'll never forget. He did this to me for two weeks in a row. I'd take off, and I'd, I'd win that sprint. And he'd let the second man go in. Would run again, he'd let the next man go in. I'd win it again, he'd let the next man go in. Man, I was getting so, you know what I mean? I was so mad. I won that sprint. I'd get to go in. Unfair, unjust. Back in those days, I was not sweet. I'm a real darling now. Everybody believes that stand on your head. Anyway, <laughs> he did that to me. 
finally we got down to where there's just one other ball player. You know, we only had 12 guys on the squad. You know, one other ball player and I, you know. But I was still determined to prove I was right. And outran him even the 12th time. He told the old boy, he says, you can go on in. He said, Harrison, run one more. Boy, steam coming out my ears, you know, by then. I mean, it was boiling up inside. He didn't do it just one day. He did it for two weeks in a row. I thought, this is totally unjust. It's totally unfair. This ain't right. And I didn't understand the overall plan of what was being done. But you know that old coach in two weeks' time got me in shape where I could play 40 minutes of basketball without ever leaving the court and without ever being wore out. He got me in such tip-top physical shape that I could stay with it hour after hour. I was in tip-top shape. You may not be getting what you think is a fair shake, but if you'll keep answering the bell, if you'll come out again, let me tell you, you will win the game. You will. And you'll be able, you'll be in shape to take on whatever you've got to take on in the future. But what you don't like and what your flesh is screaming at is getting in shape to win. That's what your flesh is hollering about. It does not want to get in shape to win. And to win, you have to get in shape. And a lot of times, we're having to do things we don't want to do, don't like to do, and our flesh is screaming all the way down the line. I want to say something to you. In spiritual realm, you never arrive. Not to the total, not to the complete. And after you've won one battle in one realm, you have to move up another notch. The same thing as school and life. You remember when you went to the first grade? And it wasn't until you passed the test that you got into the second grade. And you couldn't go into the third grade until you'd done your homework and passed the grade on the next one. And the same thing's true in the spirit realm. We go from faith to faith, from grace to grace, and from glory to glory. And you're not going to get to the ultimate of glory until you've gone from level to level to level. I remember something Dr. Old Roberts said to me one day. He said, buddy, there have been 17 things that the Spirit of the Lord has told me to do in my lifetime in ministry. And he said, he's speaking to me about the 18th now. And that had to do with medical research center at the time. And he said, every one of them was so gigantic and so big and so much bigger than the last one that I had just done. And see, what a lot of us are looking for is to come to that plateau 
and that level whereby we have arrived. Hello. And let me tell you, I don't care if you win and you get to that plateau. Bless God, I got every bill paid. I got clothes and I got cars. God's going to present you another challenge that's going to say, trust me for this. And you're going to have to swallow. Suck it up and go for it again. And if you'll treat every day with that attitude in mind, so well, I haven't even, I haven't even won at this level. Go at it until you whip that level. Am I making sense to you? But see, you can't do it, and you can't keep your perspective right until you do those four things to keep your relationship right. See, it affects your relationship to everything else around you. Speak the word. Pray in tongues. Worship. And have a spirit of continuous thanks. Constant thankfulness. Constant praise. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.